episode 247, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., season 5, episode 14, The Devil Complex. Welcome to Level 7. A podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Hello and welcome to Welcome to Level 7. My name is Ben, Ben Avery, although sometimes I don't know who I am. I, I just start freaking out and talking to myself and people ask me who I'm talking to. I'm like, can't you see me? I'm right there, but they can't see me. And that makes people scared. People like, I don't know, Agent Stewart in the UP. I'm scared. <laughs> and then we also have Agent Samantha. I'm slowly backing away. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about because he's right. Wait, he was right here. It wasn't me. It was him. Hail to the chief. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Uh, Stuart and I were talking about this and how we've seen this episode before Mm -hmm. in Star Trek Next Generation (laughs) and in Star Trek Deep Space Nine Mm -hmm. and in Star Trek Enterprise and in Stargate. And in Stargate, and I'm assuming a couple other sci-fi franchises that have a little bit, a little bit of Doctor Who. If Doctor Who went evil, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's yeah, just a tiny bit. We've seen, we've seen this before. Mm-hmm. Uh, the difference was execution, as usual. Mm-hmm. Like nothing new under the sun. It's just what you do with it. What are we talking about? Well, for people who are just tuning in, we are talking about the 14th episode of the fifth season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. That is a long-running series, but this is a podcast about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and so we talk about other things that don't have to do with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Like in our news segment that we're about to talk about, we have something that has nothing to do with Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and yet... It has everything, everything to do, to do. <laughs> with Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So uh, I'm going to press the button and yeah. we can talk about this thing that may or may not have people excited. Hmm. We'll have to decide. S.H.I.E.L.D. intelligence report. All right. So we have one news item. Two news items. We have one, right? What do you mean two? Two news items? Two news items. You didn't There's, look at the uh, the Facebook Messenger. Yeah, group, I did. did I, I thought you guys were wrong about about it there too. Okay, <laughs> so <laughs> what could possibly be two news items? Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, okay. So the first one is we already knew this was coming. Marvel's going to be in uh, the Disneyland California, Disneyland Paris, and Disneyland Hong Kong, and whenever they get it done. How is that? Why are we not talking about the other actual real news item? Why are we talking about Disney? Daniel's not here. The Disney guy isn't here. I, we, don't, we don't have to talk Marvel's about this. Marvel's going to be in Disney parks. It's relevant. Let's move on. Come on. Okay. The <laughs> most important thing that happened today it was today, wasn't it? It was today. Yes. It was today. The most important thing that's happened today in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is Coulson. You ready? Are you sitting down for this? Are you all sitting down? Yeah. Coulson. Is going to be in Captain Marvel. We actually talked about this last week. We just didn't know what we were talking about when we talked about it. Because we talked about Kevin Feige 
saying that Coulson was going to be. Um, oh yeah, Jeff re- Loeb. Yeah. Oh, maybe it's Jeff Loeb, but somehow mm-hmm. Coulson was going to be um, reconnected uh, in a in an interesting way because everything's connected, you know, and and reconnected to the, the the movies or something like that. And they didn't say what it was. They didn't say how it was. They didn't say anything about Infinity War. They just were saying somehow don't you know it's gonna be something creative and clever. I think this mm-hmm. is what they were talking about, which is mm. Captain Marvel takes place in the nineties. So, so just to set the stage, Captain America is still frozen, and 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 Tony Stark hasn't done his you know building of the 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 Stark machine, the Stark suit, the Iron Man suit. Yeah, yeah. Well, he 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 hasn't even. Um, created aim by by being rude to that guy on the elevator right right that that hasn't even happened yet is he even even in college at this point stark yeah Yeah, well that's kind of ambiguous at this point i I would think he is in in the 90s but um but we don't know where in the 90s this takes place i just i'm just assuming that we're safe to say he hasn't done that because that happened new year's eve 1999 (laughs) So okay. like it's the day before it's not the nineties anymore. So I, I think it's safe to say that, but um, I mean, we've gone back further in time, obviously with, with Captain America, with guardians of the galaxy, we've gone back to the eighties. Um, mm-hmm. But this, this movie is meant to take place in the nineties. And so Clark Gregg will be appearing and playing Coulson in this. Now, will it be uh, similar to um, agent Carter? In, in Ant-Man, and, where it's it's a more of a cameo kind of thing, a setup kind of thing, or will it be at the end where he's just showing up in S.H.I.E.L.D. and saying, hey, we need to talk? I don't know. It's going to be he's he's level two, not level seven. Right, right. <laughs> and we will change the name of the podcast for that episode. <laughs> we will, no, no, we won't. We might. <laughs> Let's watch the movie first. Because that doesn't come out until next November. No, no, it's it's after Ant Man and the Wasp. The release date for Captain Marvel is March eighth of twenty nineteen, which is right. a year from now. Okay, so that's yeah, that's the spring movie for the yeah. for the MCU. Yeah, and I'm really looking forward to that one. Um, mm-hmm. But now, I'm really, really looking forward to that one. Yeah, right. Because presumably by then, if this is the fifth season and the final season of our show, we won't have seen Clark Gregg for a while. Well, yeah, and will this be what everyone's talking about when they say five seasons in a movie? Is this that movie? Is this what they're talking about? I, I mean, if he's if he's a major character, it very well could be. I don't think he's a major character, though. I, I doubt it. As, as well. I don't know. I, I think most of the stuff is going to take place in space. There will be some form of something that happens on Earth that he gets involved in. and But this is before... This is before he met Pepper Potts. This is before Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. But this is him saying, you know, I, I've seen things. And this is some of the things he's seen. And presumably, I mean, I know Nick Cage is supposed to be. Not Nick Cage. Nick, Nick Fury, Fury. Played by Sam. <laughs> I wouldn't mind a little Nick Cage in our MCU. That would be fun. I'm just saying. <laughs> Nick Fury played by Sam Jackson. Um so I know that that is I know he's supposed to be in that. I wonder if he has an eye or two eyes. That's hmm. the rumor. Mm-hmm. That's the rumor is that he's not wearing an eye patch during this this movie. Mm-hmm. But I'm. Do you want to run down the rest of the cast list? 
Uh, we can't because there's two other people who they just announced as well today, along with Colson. And that's, yes. that's Lee Pace, who is Ronan, the accuser from Guardians of the Galaxy. And that's a Kree character. So space character. And Kree is a big part of Captain Marvel's comic book lore. So are you thinking she's that that Lee Pace person is going to play Ronan the Accuser? Yeah, yeah. I'm okay. I'm pretty sure that's what they're saying. Because then the other guy is I will not say his name right now because I don't even have it in front of me. And Dijmon Han Hanso. I am so sorry if I pr- yeah, mispronounced yeah. his name, but he played Korof. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So I mean, we're looking at a, a situation where. Um, I mean, they got Kree characters, which makes sense, but they're recognizable Kree characters from previous movies. Yeah, there, I mean, there's a lot of cool opportunities here for them to do some really neat stuff with just the expanded universe we already have, uh, expanding it a little bit more. I mean, potentially you could have Peter Quill as a kid show up. Mm-hmm. I, I hope they don't. That's when they start doing those kind of things. That's when it gets a little bit too small for me. Um mm-hmm my main complaint for the prequel movies of star Wars is that it actually felt like it shrank the galaxy because everything was related to, you know, this, this kind of strange five degrees of separation. Every, there's every little reference. It just made, made things feel smaller. Now the clone Wars TV show made it feel a little bigger then, but, but this, it just made it feel so much smaller when, Oh, the clone, and, oh, there's Boba Fett, and there's all this, and there's this, and there's that. And it's just, oh, my goodness. And the characters they did bring in for that were really interesting. But this isn't the Star Wars podcast. It's yeah. not. It's not. Hey, 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 but, but, but. Uh, Stuart, <laughs> I forgot yeah. your name for a moment. Real quick. <laughs> real quick, because I got really excited. <laughs> Before we <laughs> turn over and talk about this episode, um, you you watched that bonus scene for Star Trek Discovery, right? Yes. Okay. Now, listeners who should listen, I put my, should no, I put no, my no, you're, you're fine. You're fine. Okay. Listeners who have listened to the post credits where we talk about Star Trek Discovery have heard us christen the Star Trek discussions unofficially as "Welcome to Section 31" because Section 31 is a word with a number. <laughs> that has significance right. that has significance in the Star Trek universe. And we actually went through and we made up like titles for, you know, all these different geek podcasts that we could do and have just a welcome to network. And it'd be welcome to level seven. Welcome to section 31. Welcome to this and that from all these order different. 66. Yeah. 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 Welcome <laughs> uh, to order 66. Um, but that bonus scene is actually basically like, Star Trek Discovery as a season, that's like the post credit scene in some mm-hmm. ways. Uh, it ends with someone turning around and saying, welcome to Section 31. 31. <laughs> <laughs> it's there. I mean, we could totally do it if they we needed to. Then. <laughs> they said it. We can use it. Now, we mm-hmm. probably never will actually use it beyond you know post credits for this podcast. Although, you know, we can dream. We can yeah. dream. I mean, if they... If we need a weekly show. We're not going to need a a weekly show. Oh, that's right. (laughs) Remember how far behind we are with the Netflix series? (laughs) There's a part of me that's like, you know, if they end up canceling, we could go weekly for a very, very long time afterward. (laughs) We wouldn't even lose a step, especially with with Cloak and Dagger happening. Oh, that's right. I forgot that's that's coming. Okay, so let's turn over and talk about this episode. 
because there is there's stuff to talk about. Mission report. Okay, so this episode, in in a nutshell, is this is the story of a mastermind putting his master plan into practice. And he does it. You could also say this is the episode when Fitz talks to himself. You could say this is the episode when Fitz removes the inhibitor from Daisy Johnson. You could say this is the episode when Deke reveals to Simmons they're related. And this is the episode when Coulson lets himself go into a trap and then goes deeper into it. So It's a trap. I mean, yeah. I was not the only one thinking that. <laughs> so I figure we go act by act on this and we can just blast through the plot of the act and then talk about some of the things that it brings up. Um, so if we're looking at act one, we've got an astronaut coming through the fear dimension. And that's really cool looking. That was really cool yeah. looking. Um, and then he attacks the lab where Fitz and Simmons are working on figuring out how to compress the gravitonium to seal in the fear dimension. And they ask for help from Deke, but he's acting weird. And and then Fitz is acting a little bit weird. They have to take care of things quickly. He's acting strange, almost manic, and he comes with an idea. His idea, we got to find Dr. Hall's notes. So Daisy volunteers and gets right on it. But when she does, she finds coordinates of General Hale through General Hale's phone. Meanwhile, Mac is helping Yo-Yo with her new arms. Uh, but she wants to actually just be doing something. And he wants to protect her. Even as from herself, he says, because that's what family does. General Hall is abducted into the back of the Zephyr, which is cloaked and landed right in front of her car as it's coming down the road. And uh, May, May is there. Um, what's the what's the new the the girl's name? Oh, oh, um, the traitor who's not a traitor. Search of the P. Piper. Piper. I want to say Pepper. Yeah, Piper. Um, Piper is there. Coulson's there, and. They have now captured Hale and her driver, which looks like it's a robot. But yeah. Um, so Deke brings news to Fitz that they found Hale while Fitz is working on a robot soldier. And um, he offers a hand because metalwork runs in his DNA because he's hinting at something. Uh, and then he says, I'm no doctor, but and Fitz takes off his uh, welding mask and smashes Deke in the head with it, knocks him down. And we hear the Hydra music cue. It is Evil Fits from the framework. Okay, so the big thing in this scene for me, or this act for me, is uh, Simmons kind of, um, you know, who says that's my greatest fear kind of thing. The, the astronaut isn't necessarily her greatest fear. And that instantly is referencing for us, I think, that her greatest fear is fits from the framework. Yeah. Do you think Fitz went right back to work after the wedding, or do you think he continued the next day? Um, what are you asking? I'm not going there, but I'm okay. thinking, did he get any sleep that night? <laughs> <laughs> That's, I, Isn't that the same question? <laughs> I, I mean, Simmons mentioned she would like to have like a real honeymoon when they talking. Yeah. They're talking about you know what would you wish for if you could wish for anything, and um, yeah, I, I, I think he hasn't slept since the wedding. Okay. Or or has slept very little because, 
I mean, he's acting all sorts of crazy already. You know, something's up with him. Uh, even if you don't know what is really going on with him, by the way, this episode I watched twice. I, I, I wanted to watch twice. So I, I watched it twice so I could see if this is like a sixth sense kind of thing. And it is interesting mm-hmm. to watch it the second time. Not so much because you notice things that you wouldn't have noticed before, like with, with sixth sense or another, or any, any, uh, M night Shyamalan movie where you find out the real story was this when you get to the end and then you rewatch it and you can see how that worked with this. What's interesting is as you're watching it, um, just seeing the way it plays off, um, Fitz doesn't know that he's talking to himself when you're watching it the first time. At least you think he doesn't know. The second time you watch it, you realize he's interacting with himself and he knows kind of what's going on before you realize what's going on. Uh, hmm. He doesn't. I mean, he's, he thinks he's talking to himself, but he has been talking to himself for a while now. That's, that's what I mean to say. He, he's been talking to himself for a while now. He may not know that there is nothing there. There's no there there, but this has been going on and this is not the first time. So when there's conversations with him and evil fits, which we'll get to momentarily, um, and he's saying, why are you here? You shouldn't be here. He's not saying, uh, this is the first time I've seen you. He's saying you shouldn't be here right now. I, we, we, we've had this talk go away kind of thing. And yeah, but anyway, well, um, at the, towards the end of the episode, Simmons does mention that this is not the first time this phenomenon has happened with him. Totally. Not, necess- not yeah. necessarily with the doctor, but with Fitz seeing Simmons, even though she wasn't actually there after he um, had that brain injury. Yeah. From being underwater and not having a, a, enough oxygen. Yeah, totally. And that's really a, a cool element uh, to, to throw yeah. into the mix there. Uh, this is not out of the blue. This is not something that just happens and, and we're just accepting it as a new thing. This is, I mean, they, they've done some really cool stuff with this in setting it up and, and in using the past to set it up. So it's not just, well, it's like the, the phrase, you know, it doesn't matter how big your steps are as long as you're going in the right direction. We talked about this last episode, how for you, Stuart, it would have been a much better situation for you if that had been something that had been set up earlier in, in a previous season as something that Simmons said all the time. If yeah. we don't, we don't get that there, but we get that here with, this is not the first time Fitz has seen, uh, apparitions and 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 talk to people who weren't there and right and they even that when they mentioned his uh i mean the, his injury the callback to there is when they first met mac you know being underwater and all that sort of stuff that that's from what season two yeah yeah i mean so there's a, so, a lot this the back half of the season is it feels like it's just hey we are going to pull every string from previous seasons um Right down to the the special guest bad guy in this episode. Um, right. So, uh, Mac and Yo-Yo. Mac and Yo-Yo. I feel bad for Yo-Yo, and I can understand what she's saying. Um, she just wants to be useful and feel useful. She doesn't have to use her arms to be useful. 
And Mac is just, I want to protect you. And I, I don't want you doing anything where you're going to get in trouble or get hurt. And she's like, I can look at cameras. I can look at screens and watch for things. Um, actually, that could work because um, you uh, for people who are quadriplegics, they do have headsets with a laser pointer and uh, screens that are sensitive to laser pointers. And um, people can type out words and phrases, commands on computers using that little laser pointer as if it were a mouse. Yeah, no, she could totally do things. They're not letting her because Mac wants to protect her and Mac doesn't understand. She knows something he doesn't know. And the end of this episode, we culminate in four or five in my notes. I put important conversations with a capital I and a capital C. Uh, And and that's one of them is when she talks to Mac about the future. Yeah, but we'll get to the future in the future. And also um, the method that they were using to connect Yogo to a prosthetic arm. That is currently in development. Um, They are trying to figure out how to connect um, electrodes up to people's stumps in order to articulate uh, hand movements using the muscles that are left. Yeah. So, yeah, this this isn't brand new. This is as it's happening right now in the real real world kind of technology. It's not made up. And that's some of the best sci-fi is when you, you take, extrapolate, and you don't have to extrapolate too much because it's happening. Yeah. All right. Act two, Coulson and Hale head to head. Uh, They're, they're having the conversation across the table from each other in the Zephyr. And she makes a reference to being put, you know, put away and are they going to torture her? And he's like, no, we don't do that. But he finally gets from her that she's trying to prevent our extinction. And, whatever that means. Um, sticking with that for a moment here, um, Hale says to Colson, I understand you and admire you, but I don't trust you yet. And she says, I don't, I don't lose sleep at night making difficult calls. And if someone needs to die, I'm willing to pull the trigger. And she wants to bring him in to see what they are up against because she wants to, you know, apparently save humanity. Um, oh, and also she allowed her phone to be hacked so that they could find her position. It was a trap. You know, bad guys always say that when they get caught. Well, I allowed you to get that. They let us escape. You know, they always say that. I don't think that's true. I think bad guys just are covering. I don't think it's covering here. She had Creel with her and Anton gets there pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. I, I think they were ready for that. So, I mean, she wasn't just driving around with Creel as her, um, chauffeur. He had explosives around his belly and was there, you know, I mean, they, I think, knew that they were going to end up in the situation they were in and wanted to. She basically she wants the same thing Colson wants. She wanted to get Colson to talk to Colson and Colson wanted to get her to talk to her. And they both probably had different motives for the reason they wanted to have the conversation. Um, hers being bringing Colson, maybe. Uh, from the superiors that we're going to talk about later, but um, he he brings up some good things. She says, "I, I you know, I'm you're a terrorist leader, and he's I'm supposed to bring you in." He's like, you, "So you're supposed to cut off the arms of my people?" She's like, "Oh, I'm sorry about that." One of my oh, what was the phrase she used? Subordinates. Well, yeah, one of my subordinates got a little too zealous. <laughs> it's just so. So, what do we think of Hale? Do we still not like her? 
Yeah, I. By the end of this episode, there's all sorts of. I don't. I don't know what to think about her. I don't like her. I know that. I don't know what's going on with her. You know, at one point I thought, well, maybe she really does think that she's a good guy, and then, well, we'll talk about. We'll talk about oh, the the end oh, scene. Oh, bad guys think that they're the good guy in their story. I think she really thinks she's the good guy in America's story. I think she really thinks I'm making the hard choices that no one else can make and I'm willing to do it and my government wants me to do it. But yeah. I at she's least being at le- led by the nose. Yeah. I thought that yeah. that was the case. I don't think that so much now. I just I don't know what to think about her. I I don't understand what's what's at stake for her. I don't understand. I mean there's just so much that we don't understand about her yet. Yeah, she doesn't really have like a clear motivation or a clear like guiding principle as to what she's doing or what kind of character she is. It has she not been just, defined yet. Right. Yeah. It all she always just seems to be in the way <laughs> of of whatever Colson is trying to do. <laughs> yeah. Not necessarily like let's, you know, give her some sort of definition. So Well, we have seven or eight what, seven or eight more episodes coming up, so I- I think that'll be cleared up soon. I think it'll be the next episode now that you said it. It will be cleared (laughs) up. I mean, they they intentionally, with this episode, they intentionally brought up more questions than answers as far as she goes. Isn't that how you're supposed to set up this kind of situation anyways? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm also not buying that Creel doesn't believe that Daisy LMD was the one that shot Mustache. (laughs) And he's standing right next to an LMD and he knows it. Yeah, I don't know what he thinks. I'm wondering if at some point he's going to realize that um, Hale is not for good and that he might switch sides. I think that would be cool. Do you yeah. think he would switch sides? Possibly. Do you, think he, do you think he's like a good guy on the inside? No, not yet. No, not yet. Oh, yeah. I, so you're saying he needs to earn that? Yeah, yeah. I've never... I never read him as a good guy who was just, you know, on the wrong side of things. I always read him as a a, a guy who was out to do bad. Mm. Yeah. Well, he, I, I like when they redeem bad guys. I mean, look what happened with uh, the Patriot. He wasn't oh, the, a bad guy. He was never a bad guy. Well, was, we weren't supposed to like him at first, and then we liked him right before he died. Yeah, yeah but he wasn't a whatever. bad guy. You're talking about like Ward. <laughs> he was a politician. Not all and politicians are bad. I just want to put that right there. That's true, but typically in TV shows, all politicians in this kind, are bad. Yeah, yeah, and in this kind of bureaucratic situation, uh, yeah, they they can be bad, or they can not necessarily be bad, just be kind of meddling. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, in this situation here, I don't yeah. think Creel is a good person. Okay. I, I don't think so. Time will tell. And he may at least be the kind of bad guy who's like, oh, wait, the Earth is going to get destroyed by something. And I'm part of it. I don't want to be. I'm out of here. Because I'm one of the idiots who lives on this planet. Right. Exactly. So, so the Earth is going to be destroyed by Thanos. And also... Creel. By other people, yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah. That is something weird that's happening in this this parallel. We we haven't really you know spoken to it directly, but 
if in you know four weeks, five weeks, whenever Infinity War is supposed to come out, the Earth is going to get destroyed, and in that same amount of time, Daisy's supposed to destroy the Earth. Something, something is happening. Just going to put that there. I'm not being Tigger. I'm not being Tigger. Just something is happening. Yeah, we'll see. I think the more and more this season goes on, the more and more I begin to think that it is leaning towards Thanos coming. And uh, what we had seen in the in the future earlier this season, ironically in the past, um, <laughs> um, is what happens if Thanos won. So, so you're so. Wait, I hear Tigger bouncing in the background. Yeah. Are you saying that you think that the TV people, our agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., are going to have some sort of influence on the Thanos story? Yes. I don't think they have to for her scenario to be correct, though. Not directly. Because it's the same kind of thing as as happened with, with, uh, with Winter Soldier, where they had this big movie... And then it's like, okay, how does that big movie affect this this TV show, right? And so the same kind of situation could be going on here where I, I like the idea of that future is what Earth looks like if Thanos wins. That's that's a great premise, just a, a great starting point. And, and Daisy has nothing to do with the splitting, right? She right. has nothing right. to do with it. Right. They just – they think that she does. I okay, I could be done with that. Well, and they then, think that somehow, she does because they only have a video of her walking off of a zephyr, and that's it. Yeah, and they know she's Quake. That's it. That's all they know. And for some reason, in the future, those future people thought that she was the one that broke up the Earth. And mm. then, and then, there, then one of the things they could do with that is where, like, Coulson giving Fury a helicarrier, you know. Uh-huh. They break the loop by providing something of importance to um, to the movie stars, basically. And, like gravitonium. Yeah, something, you know, or or they're able to, you know, I, I don't know, provide some small assist that that breaks the loop. Um, the the other interesting thing is is the possibility that uh, in that future that we were in. Uh, the Earth was destroyed before Thanos got there. <laughs> so it has, you know, this has nothing to do with Thanos. It's in that future. Thanos is all, wait, where are they? You know, and and he's able to get the <laughs> Infinity Gems super easy because everyone who had an Infinity Gem is, is dead, you know, except for Vision. And so Thanos just has to chase Vision because Vision was flying away in, through the solar system. And he's like, by the time Vision gets to Venus, Thanos catches up to him and is like, just give it to me because I already got the other ones. Because I got it from dead Doctor Strange and I got it from, you know. And ironically, we are going to learn that about, a, what, a few weeks after <laughs> Infinity War comes out. Oh, man, this is going to mm, this is going to be difficult. Yeah, we'll, we'll see exactly yeah. what happens. But um, the, I have faith that's all going to be connected and they're going to that this has all been orchestrated purposefully well speaking of someone orchestrating something purposefully all right all right fits that was a great, yeah. great segue by the way. it was fits <laughs> is really getting aggressive and manic and he's talking to daisy and they're having this whole conversation and he's kind of freaking her out because he's he's acting more angry than he should and he's hitting the table and stuff like that and then two cameras go out 
And so Daisy has to go and fix the cameras and, and Fitz is talking to himself. And, oh, how do I do this? How do I do this? How do I do this? And then he's literally talking to himself as the doctor is what they call him. Uh, he comes and confronts Fitz and, and Fitz, this is where I was talking about Fitz turns and he's like, what are you doing here? And the doctor says, I'm doing what you're unwilling to do. And so I wouldn't have written down all of this dialogue when I was watching it the first time, because I didn't realize how important it was, but this is that sixth sense. Uh, yeah, it's, it's the M night Shyamalan kind of thing where you, once you know, it's not what you thought. Um, Fitz says to evil Fitz, this can't be real. And evil Fitz says, we both know better than that. I'm very real. And I'm going to finish what you started. And in my original notes, I was like, what is it that he started? Well, now we're going to find out in a moment, but then he says, you and I were the same, aren't we? And Fitz says, whatever you're planning, I'll stop you. And and then Evil Fitz says, come on, you couldn't stop me if you wanted to. The, the plans are already in motion. And that plan that's already in motion is that there's a robot headed over to Yo-Yo's room and pulls a gun, tells nobody to move, and there's a gunshot. And we'll find out what happened in a moment. But Fitz hears that and realizes it's it's already gone into into play. It's already happening. Now, the question here is, I don't necessarily know that he knows that evil Fitz is not real and just kind of in his head, but he knows evil Fitz is there. He's been talking to evil Fitz. He's known about evil Fitz uh, for a while, and it gives a new spin on things when when Fitz is talking about how he's afraid that the framework has changed him. And and why is he afraid of that? Because he's been hearing the voices for a little while and, and he's been seeing Leopold, the doctor for a short period of time before this episode. And not forget, he also spent months in isolation under uh Mulder, MCU Mulder and Scully <laughs> mm-hmm. in isolation. Um, frequently these kinds of issues, they're heightened because all your, doing is sitting there talking to yourself really although he wasn't in complete isolation because fox Mulder and dana scully have been coming to him they're talking with him they're letting him watch tv he's got work that he's able to throw himself into uh but i think at that point he maybe is hearing voices of of evil fits maybe even that that long ago Realistically, I mean, how many hours of the day are they sitting there talking to him? And I guarantee you, it's it's not even every day that they see him. Well, he's seeing people, though. I mean, they're bringing him yeah. food, and they're yeah. And and I'll be honest, that kind of situation, I wouldn't love it for a long, long time. <laughs> but that's kind of a sweet situation. I mean, that's that's my personality type right there. You know, just let people come so in and done. out. Yeah. Let people come in and out while I'm working on something creatively and they're in. Sure. A little bit of face-to-face time because every human being needs that. Even the most introverted of introverts needs that. Well, the the dif- the difference is it would be a choice for you and not thrust upon That is you. true. That is very true. I mean, you got to also remember that he had that – he had that uh, – the break, you know, when when he was thrown in the water, this is something that happened to him. He was talking to people. He was or seeing things. It didn't go well for him. So it makes sense that he would sort of dip back into that well when 
he starts to have more problems. Well, and they, they describe it as he had a psychic break. You know, I mean, the, mm-hmm. he lived a lifetime almost in the framework um, as a different person. And then he comes out of it. And it does make sense that you wouldn't be 100% back to who you were before. Uh, everyone else kind of jumped back quickly because it wasn't so against type. So mm-hmm. Colson, history teacher who's a conspiracy theorist in the framework. He comes out of it. He was a good person. But yeah, with Fitz, it's a different story. Very, very different story. Oh, Fitz is experiencing PS- PTSD because hallucinations are sometimes part of it. I think he's also experiencing brain damage. Well, I, I mean, let's get more sci-fi with it. You know, like he's okay. he's experiencing a psychic split. He's experiencing uh, a situation where he had a whole nother personality within himself that was created in the framework and and is stuck around, you know, and has a visual uh, metaphorical existence in his in his mind. So this would um, be possibly PTSD mixed with. um Oh, there's now a fancier term for it, but basically split personalities, yeah. But also exhaustion. I mean, these people are just totally exhausted, you know, because, yeah, the framework lasted, what, three months for us or whatever it is, but for them it was a year, right? And then they got out of the framework, and the next thing they know, they were shot to space (laughs) and into the future, and then they were brought back. I mean, these these people are just downright exhausted. And he has not slept for a long time. Right. And uh, hallucinations can be brought about by sleep deprivation. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Act three. Coulson and his crew are joined by a Quinjet, and on the Quinjet is Anton, who is the robot guy from the real world where when we were doing the framework stuff. He was the guy who was kind of behind things, working with Ada on our side, on the real world side. And he's still not a nice guy. Is that where stop, where people um, stopped being fake and started being real, the real world? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So Fitz comes to where the gunshot was, reveals to Mac, who's been shot in the leg, that Leopold is there. Evil Fitz is there and has programmed the robot. And and Fitz is feeling ineffectual and he's talking about how he doesn't know what he wants. And uh, he calls Dr. Leopold his greatest fear. And Simmons says, you know, it could be her greatest fear, too. Who says it's your greatest fear? And then they realize he's after Daisy, but they think he's after Daisy because she's inhuman. And that's what he did was he did experiments on inhumans in the framework. And so Fitz runs after to find Daisy. What Fitz doesn't know is as he's running after to go find Daisy, he's actually just a part of the plan. Leave them here. He goes alone to find Daisy. Daisy finds out that the cameras she was checking are fine, but a robot comes, takes her. And knocks her out. And when she wakes up, she's on an operating table and she thinks it's Fitz working on her. Uh, Meanwhile, Anton demands Hale be brought to him. He's in a a mortal robot now. And Colson agrees to go with Hale now 
because he wants to find out what's going on. And as long as people get away unharmed, he'll go with her. And he and May argue. And she, she has a good point because they know it's a trap now. And he's like, yeah, it's a good trap. Uh, they argue that he allows him to go with Hale. And I have to say something right now. I did not put this together, but her name's Hale. Hale Hydra. Yep. How did none of us ever say that until this point? You know what? I didn't realize that until my second rewatch, too, when I sat down and took notes. Because I put, Hale says Hydra. Hale Hale says Hale Hydra. Hydra, And I'm like, oh, oh, come on. And we missed another pun in the last episode, too. I I don't know if you guys caught this, like, seasons ago. But in the last episode, you have uh, Warner Von Strucker. And he's also known, uh, going by the name Alex Braun. Yeah. Werner von Braun was a Nazi scientist who was recruited by the U.S. to work with NASA and to create rockets to send people to space. Hey, yeah. 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 I knew there was a Braun. I was thinking Eva Braun. Eva Braun was Hitler's girlfriend. Okay. All right. Okay. I, I knew there was someone. And- I don't think th- that Werner and Ava were related, though. And Doc Brown's ancestors changed their name from Von Braun when they moved over from Germany. Actually, I think that is a little nod to Warner Von Braun. Probably. But it's it's not he's not directly to related to Von Braun, but yeah. Okay. He's also a fictional character, but let's not yeah. go there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Anton, it, there's there's the callback about his origin story, bro. And yeah. I mean there's this is what I'm talking about where we have these threads and stuff that they're pulling on. We weren't done with Anton. We knew we weren't done with Anton, but we kind of forgot about Anton. Yeah. Why? Because, you know, we figured he was just captured or whatever, you know, and taken care of situation to under control. And no, it's not. This is good stuff. So and there's multiples one. of, of Ivanov too. So Anton Ivanov. Makes me wonder what other threads are still dangling out there. Wasn't the 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 guy from remember in the first season, like the first five, ten episodes, the birth of a new supervillain? What was his name? Was that Gravitron? I don't remember. But like what Doctor Hall? Is, yeah, Doctor Hall. Gravitron. Yeah. Professor Gravitron oh. or whatever. Yeah. Okay, so see, I didn't even connect that until just now. I forgot that that was the Gravitonium. Well, he was in the Gravitonium. He got pulled into it. And oh, and that's okay. what we've been waiting for is for them. And we figured, okay, if they're going to bring back the Gravitonium here, I figured that means we're going to get him. He's going to come out of it. He's going to be a thing. And, right. you know, that's why the world's going to split. It's because Gravitron, Gravitron, Professor Hall or whatever his name is, comes out of his... You know, because they they he got pulled into it and then they took it and they put it into the whatever the whatever institution they put it in. And then Hydra gets it out, you know, because they're Hydra and they they were clearing everything out of that place when Winter Soldier happened. And so this is where that was the that one kind of thing we were waiting for the callback to. And now we get the callback to it and it's the stuff, but it's not the guy. And, mm-hmm. and so I'm waiting for that. Like, when, well, okay. Is that why Hale has such an interest in Gravitonium? 
She's got Creel. She's got Anton. Is she going to pull him out too to be part of her evil Avengers? Don't know. Evil Avengers. Gravitron would, Gravitron would be an interesting uh, bad guy for next season. I don't think they'll be able to, to fit him in this season. I don't know. I think they, they possibly could. They might. Because I could see, and I think we talked about this, but the final battle being between Quake and Gravitron, and that was what could have destroyed yeah, the Earth. Yeah. And she goes after him because she's been able to move Gravitron without touching it. Right. She can, okay. she can take yeah. care of the Gravitonium and, yeah. Oh, yeah, the Gravitonium, yes. So we'll see. We'll see. But they're they're bringing back all these things. And so I, the one that I'm expecting them to bring back hasn't come back. But we got Creel and we've got Anton now. And two guys that I basically, you know, when they show up, we're like, oh, yeah. But I forgot about them until this point. Yeah, because yeah, it feels like we saw them. At, oh, about five years ago now. Okay, so the doctor is working on Daisy and they have a little back and forth, but basically comes down to this. My work helps people and I'm going to help people by taking out the inhibitor. And she is begging him not to do this. And it's very difficult to watch. And he's saying your powers could be what saves the world. And she's saying this is the path of destruction. And he's not stopping. I mean, she's not convincing him. Uh, meanwhile, Coulson is having a head to head with, with Anton. He's trying to play on, he's, he's trying to play Creel. He's trying to play Anton. He's trying to play Hale all at the same time, trying to convince them for the one reason or another, you know, you're, you're doing the wrong thing here. So he's pushing Anton's buttons with Creel. He's trying to, you know, reason with Creel. And then he's actually trying to get information from Hale and it's Coulson at his Coulsonist, right? I mean, this is good stuff. Very much good stuff. Yeah. Uh, so now we're going to get to the important conversations. Important. I have an com- ob's head in a jar. What? I have an ob's head in a jar. Well, I mean, that's not one of the <laughs> important conversations, but that is how Hale has control of, of Anton. Yeah. Is that this, the superior, superior man, you know, is not in charge because yeah, Hale has his head in a jar. So important conversation. Number one is Mac with yo-yo where he's being all protective and it's very nice and it's very sweet and blah, blah, blah. But she basically says, I, you don't, you're, you don't need to do this. I can't die because I saw the future. You saw the future. I can't die. And then he's like, well, what if you do die? And she's all, well, I mean, on the bright side, it would break the loop. (laughs) We, we'd know it's possible. Uh, but this is, that kind of conversation we've been waiting for where she just kind of reveals, Hey, things have to happen and they aren't happening. And as long as I'm alive, we're in that loop. I can't die. And it makes sense, but I'm, I'm worried about her now. Uh, they found ways to take these couples, give them the happy ending without giving them the happy ending. So she's lost her arms now, you know, and, uh, yeah, can't die. Cause I saw the future. Will okay. yeah. important conversation. Number two fits with himself. He's talking to himself. You're weak, but together we can finish what we started. And Daisy, she's laying there and she's like, who are you talking to? And Fitz realizes that he's been talking to himself and that he set everything in motion 
And he's, you know, Simmons comes in. He's like, he was right here. It wasn't me. And then the plan's in motion. Leopold's right. I'm going to do it. Robot comes in, pulls his gun on Deacon Simmons, pushes them into the corner. And Fitz is going to do it. There's always risks involved in science. And Simmons says, is paralyzing Daisy and destroying the world? Those are pretty big risks. And Daisy's begging. And he reaches in there with his little pincher things and he pulls the thing out and then he's pulling out more th- wire and more wire I was a lot and more of wire, wire. <laughs> and and then we have the commercial break we cut come back from commercial break he's still pulling out wires and <laughs> oh, hey. it's like a clown handkerchief that he's pulling out of that thing he's like oh hey 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 oh there we got to the end of it the job oh, is done yeah <laughs> I couldn't watch that scene I really couldn't Oh, it was so gross. It was pretty yucky. Uh, The job is done. The powers are back. And so Daisy is able to compress the gravitonium, put it into the sphere. They they send in the the sphere into the breach and and they heal the breach. And as it opens up and pulls in the energy and stuff, it reminded me, uh, and maybe maybe you too, Stuart, but the way it came apart reminded me of um, the prophets from Deep Space Nine. Yeah. Those Mm -hmm. look just like them. Yeah. As soon as it's done, Fitz goes on his knees, puts his hand behind his head, lets himself get arrested. And but it's it's taken care of. The fear dimension has been sealed, as far as we know now. So it's not the fear dimension that's going to destroy the world. Important conversation number three, and that is the conversation with Simmons talking to Fitz in his prison cell. Oh yeah, that was a sad conversation. It was. It was interesting, too, though, because the way it ended, where she's spending the whole time convincing him or trying to convince him it's not you, and he's trying to convince her it is him. This is him. It was the right thing to do, even though it was the wrong thing to do. Um, And she says, you know, the injury, you saw me, I was your conscience. Uh, Or no, he says, you were my conscience, but, and then she's asking, well, who is he? Uh, but then at the end of the conversation, Simmons sort of agrees that it needed to be done. Kind of. Sort of. Right? Yeah. Important conversation number four. Simmons and Deke. Uh, Deke comes to comfort her. She doesn't know what to think. And he knows lots of stuff about them and their their story, their relationship. He already mentioned that he's invested in them as a couple and just wants them to be to last for a long, long time. Which is what lots of fans want to but um he also knows the quote the whole doesn't matter how how big your steps are as long as you're going in the right direction and she understands who he is and then was she puking yes so pregnant there's only two reasons why you would have a woman vomit on tv one she she has some sort of (laughs) stomach bug she's really sick and yeah. the other is she's pregnant. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. yeah. And, and I have not seen any other symptoms of an illness from her in this episode. So she has to be pregnant. She's pregnant. She's pregnant. How she is, is she with pregnant? Child. She only got married like two days ago. Well, if you remember um, the first time she and Fitz were alone back on future Zephyr and they were trying to uh, deal with the control for the monolith. Mm-hmm. They close the door and they're like, 
oh, wow, this is the first time we've been alone. And then they turn to each other and then cut to the next scene elsewhere. And so they had a moment alone. And And that was, yeah, that was what, like two, three weeks ago in their time. Anyway. Yeah. uh, Yeah. You you puke, you're pregnant. I mean, that's, that's TV shorthand. And that's Deke's mommy right there. So are we going to see a pregnant Simmons and have a Simmons? I mean, are we going to have a whole, I don't really want to have a whole like baby arc now where, oh no, we're going to save the baby and all that sort of stuff. Though I'm wondering, there's also the possibility that they wouldn't want a baby on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So at the end of this season, it could be that Fitz and Simmons are going to retire so they can raise their family. Or just do a time jump and the baby ages five years over the summer. I I hate that. (laughs) I really do. Well, when they do it in sitcoms, it's not even a time jump. It's just like, <laughs> hey, we're back, and now we got this kid. It's like they go away for yeah. for lunch, and then they come yeah. back. Oh, look, we have a three year old now. I remember as a kid, my mother watched uh, soap operas, and I remember this one character. She aged. She went from being a baby to a twenty year old in under a season, <laughs> and all the other characters <laughs> stayed the same age. Well, I mean, Family Ties did it. Fresh Prince did it. They all do it. Yeah. They all do it. At least with X Files and and Dana's baby from uh well oh, back when this, oh. the show was on, at least he actually aged appropriately. Yeah. Into, and that's because the show actually took like what like a seventeen year break. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So anything else to talk about here with all these conversations and relationship stuff and I mean Quake has her powers now. And she is broken she is traumatized by this would you say it's a um it's great power uh sure i I, i'm gonna go ahead and set you up there and say yes i think she has great power so with that great power she should probably (laughs) use it pretty responsibly wouldn't you say yes with great power comes the responsibility to use that great power responsibly that's right well you know else who uh who has more great power in this episode who fits because before he was more the mechanical guy that just worked uh, in sync with Simmons to do some mm-hmm. biomechanical stuff um, because he went through the framework. He now is no more about surgery and biology, uh, which actually um, surgery and mechanics, they actually do kind of go hand in hand because it's all about structure. Mm-hmm. But now he has, because thanks to the framework, he has the training of a doctor and a surgeon, which is how come he was able to safely remove that implant from uh, Daisy. Because when Simmons said earlier that she needs someone who, with the know-how to remove this implant, she couldn't do it herself. And right. now Fitz can do it. Because in a way, he like the Matrix, he downloaded all yeah. of that information yep. in his head. Yeah, he lived, he lived a lifetime. Yeah. He lived a lifetime. So, okay, let's talk about the tag now. And this is this scene, all I could think was, and I sent this to you guys uh, in in our thread when when I watched the episode. I was just like, wow, this episode. And then I just wrote to you guys, Mork calling Orson. Because all I could think of was the end of Mork and Mindy 
every time it ends with him standing against a black screen, <laughs> reporting into Orison, and he's just, I understand more about humans now. And who knew love, which is a good thing, could make you feel sad? And then Orson would say, tell me more. And that's as she's standing there, it was just totally more calling Orson. Come in, Orison. So Hale replies or reports into her superiors and she gets some instructions from her superiors. And she's standing in front of language that I, I don't know if it's alien language or if it's uh, meant to be, um, you know, Chinese or Japanese or, or I don't know. But anyway, he gives, you know, he's disappointed, but she doesn't think he doesn't think she'll fail because she doesn't think she'll fail. But he says, but where we come from, uh, if you're going to fail, you drink the odium and you go down fighting. That's our tradition. And then he says, oh, and of course, as always, hail Hydra. Hmm. What does this even mean? We, is he Cree? Is is Hydra Cree? What what? I'd, well, we have also seen earlier in the series uh, with a one, the second episode with Lady Sif. We saw somebody who was Cree who was using a device to make his skin to be appear to be uh, Caucasian colored instead of blue. So the Cree have a technology to make themselves look more human. I think this guy is actually Cree and he's pretending to be Hydra because they know that Hydra is something that a certain group of people on earth are familiar with. And they're using that to infiltrate the human race. Are Cree really that big a deal? I guess. And and they can hold infinity stones. Yeah. Mm, I guess they can. Well, I think that's actually canon that they can. Well, what do you mean? I mean, as I far mean, as them like, being... It's, it's like everywhere we're turning, we got Kree going to be bad guys in Captain Marvel. We got Kree, you know, isn't Thanos part of the Kree? Kree from uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Kree from now on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's like, these guys are everywhere. Kree has been part of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. from the beginning, remember? I know, uh, I know. I'm just... I'm Tahiti, a magical place. Question. Yeah, I'm just now asking the question. These guys are everywhere. Are they really that big of a of a deal? I guess they must be in the MCU. Yeah. Well, they are now. I mean, they were easy alien uh, plot devices. They're a big deal. Now, are they this huge of a deal in the comics? They have done a number of big things in the comics, uh, but it's, yeah, I think, yes, I I think the answer is yes. They are that big of a deal. Okay. I'm down. I just, it it felt like all of a sudden we're getting inundated with Cree and, and I realized that they've sort of snuck in from different places, but it just felt it's like you never notice the thing until you notice the thing, and then you can't not notice the and thing you anymore. See it everywhere. Yeah, like right. like a, like a number, like right? All of a sudden, exactly. the number twenty one. You just see it everywhere, and it must mean something. Why? Because you noticed it in two places, and then you can't stop noticing it after that. And really, you just keep playing blackjack. So you should probably stop <laughs> playing blackjack with number twenty one. But yeah, no, I mean it. It just. That's the same thing with the Cree. It was like we've seen them so 
in many different media and many different places and many different shows and many different series. So. Yeah. Well, maybe it's because we've also been recently rewatching all of the movies. And so we are seeing that a lot in the movies. Yeah. And I won't deny that. Yeah. Um, I have found that mysterious Hydra slash Kree guy. I have found his name on IMDb. Okay. Kovas. Q-O-V-A-S. Sounds like a Kree to me. Yep. (laughs) Sounds like the Klingon homeworld. Yeah. It does. Well, we will find out soon enough Mm -hmm. what's going on with that guy. With those guys. But... Yeah, so he's using a Hydra as a smoke screen so that Hale doesn't know that she's working with alien invaders. She thinks she's working with Nazi invaders. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't want aliens who could possibly be good, but Nazis take them every day of the week. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like, okay, I'm going to... My my master plan is I I don't want you to know that I am getting you a birthday present. So I'm just going to say that what I have right here is your Christmas present. Right. (laughs) You know, because that's totally going to hide it from you. So can't get invaded by aliens if you're siding with the Nazis. And they already, the Nazis already sort of aligned themselves with an alien species anyways, because that's what Hydra is. Okay, well, let's let's move on to our our feedback segment, because there's some good emails that actually bring up a couple things for us to talk about. So let's do it. Shield Field Report. Okay, so let's start with the email variety of... Uh, feedback. And this comes from Agent 084 again. Welcome back again, Agent 084. And he says, hey, agents, I have to admit, I miss you guys. Um, and okay, this is me. Yeah, sorry, that that episode last, our previous episode took a while to get out, but it did get out. Uh, I hate to admit I miss you guys. Hope you come back soon. I'm currently in a rewatch of the MCU in preparation for Infinity War. And I'm at the end of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. season one. I can do the math and I'm not going to make it. There was an element that reminded me of a debate you guys had last month regarding Coulson icing Daisy. Agent Samantha had felt that Daisy had a right to choose her own fate and Coulson enforcing her to come back to the present violated her right to choose her own fate. Years back, Coulson spent an entire season unraveling the mystery of his own resurrection and finally discovered that he was brought back with a method that he himself had deemed too inhumane to ever subject anyone to. We even got flashbacks to his days after the battle of New York and we got to watch Coulson literally begging doctors to just let him die. Despite these pleas and despite Coulson's prior warning, Nick Fury insisted on using Tahiti to bring him back. Why? Because he needed Coulson to lead. Icing Daisy wasn't as inhumane or as elaborate as Tahiti, but Coulson makes the exact same choice with Daisy. I agree with Samantha that Coulson was morally wrong in taking away Daisy's choice to stay in the future, but that seems to be a theme of the entire show. How many times have we heard a character talk about the hard call? We'll see if this hard call leads to disaster or a miracle. 
I just felt like there was a strong comparison between icing Daisy and resurrecting Coulson. Agent 084 out. And this email actually came uh, just a couple hours before this episode that we're talking about aired on TV. And very interesting that in this episode, we get two references to making the hard call with Fitz and Hale talking about making the hard call and, and the hard decision. And we also get Daisy getting her agency taken away again. Yay. In this episode. Yeah, yeah. no. And yeah. it's even harder for this one because at least that one, she was unconscious and then woke right. up and was angry. And this one it's happening in real it's, time. I mean, that's akin to something that happens very bad in this episode. It's a bad thing that happens to her. I just hope that sometime in this season, she gets to make a decision for herself and be active in this decision and, and not just, you know, staying back in the lighthouse and not doing anything. No, that'd well, be so now that she has her powers, she's going to end up on the front lines. We know that That's true. we don't know yeah. what's going to happen with the earth when it happens uh, or how many times it's going to happen in this season, but she will be on the front lines again now for sure. So, Agent 084, uh, awesome that you're doing your uh, rewatch. Uh, that's, but the reason I'm not, I wouldn't ever be able to do it like that is because I just stuck to the movies. So, which is on a different show. What? Welcome to the Infinity Initiative, you mean? Yeah, that would be the one I was not really needing to plug, but thank you for plugging <laughs> it. <laughs> we get another email from a blast from the past. So, this comes from Jason from California. And the subject line is Fitz is a doctor. I never considered that Fitz's time in the framework would make him a surgeon. Simmons and Daisy are not the inhuman experts anymore. Also, with Hydra's return confirmed, how much common ground does Leopold have with the new Hydra's agenda, especially if they are saving the world? So that's the main message. There's a PS we'll talk about in just a second. But um, Samantha, you actually brought up the idea of this in this episode. And I actually intentionally didn't bring it up because I hadn't thought about it until I read Jason's email before we recorded. Um, but then when you brought it up, it was, it's like, Oh, well, we're going to be talking about this again because Jason brought it up. But I, Simmons and Daisy, not in human experts anymore. He is because he dissected them. Yep. <laughs> um, yep. And then by doing as I yeah 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 and then in the situation but yeah so has hydra really returned and i think maybe but with the return i yeah his is is this the hydra he knows you know like when when leopold gets connected with hale is it going to be hey secret handshake and well yeah we're on the same page want the same thing because leopold is also trying to save the world by doing an evil thing to Daisy. But that's the right thing to do for the world. And the hard choices. Mm-hmm. Mm. Any other thoughts there? Because then we have the PS from, from Agent Jason. Lots of Hydra all the time. I think if they ever... Ne Hydra will never be totally obliterated from the face of the planet. Never, ever. Just like S.H.I.E.L.D. will never be totally obliterated from the face of the planet. <laughs> Yeah, Hydra, yeah, Hydra in, is like I the Cree, <laughs> right? They're all over the place, just all over the place. What were you saying, Samantha? I was going to say, in this instance, 
Hydra is a red herring. Yeah. yeah. Much like communism. That's that's a clue the movie reference. So <laughs> <laughs> That's a great yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh PS. On your Black Panther episode, you asked why a black man would thank you for seeing the film. Well, I am a black man, and I am assuming he didn't know you were a Marvel fan that couldn't help yourself. <laughs> I, can, I can tell you it is encouraging to see a parent take their kids to see a positive depiction of African culture. It's not for everyone, but personally, I found it refreshing in a film. It was also very satisfying to see multiple depictions of the black perspective. It was more than a great Marvel entry, but also complex in ways that make me question if there was a villain. Good to be writing again. Jason from California. So P.S. Jason, thank you for that P.S. That was, (laughs) that's awesome. And I really cannot wait to watch that movie again. Yeah. We're, we're talking about, um, Killmonger being the best villain of the MCU. I mean, that's, that's something that someone said on this podcast and his name was me. And I, I, I really think that he might be the best villain because of what Jason just said. Was there a Where villain? He's not re- yeah, it's not really a villain. Yeah. He's just somebody trying to get, you yeah. know, trying and, to make his way in the, in well, the story. Well, and if he had not killed his girlfriend in cold blood and and done a couple other things, I think you we'd be even having a, a deeper discussion about was he a villain or not. Because he did some things that clearly put him in bad guy, evil person realm. That if you had taken those out, you could have almost left the movie intact. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's sure. just they needed to make him more, more evil, so it's more satisfying at the end when you have a final battle. Right, and so we're voting for, you know, T'Challa rather than Killmonger the whole time. Mm. Right. Oh man, now I kind of just wish that they that Killmonger had not killed his girlfriend, and that at the end, instead of Killmonger dying, he was just imprisoned, or his mind was turned, or something but yeah i like the way it played out and Mm i i'm i'm okay with it um but it would have been it'd be an interesting conversation if if he hadn't done the evil evil things yeah and just stuck with the gray evil things well i think that's our episode uh i'm not what do you think (laughs) i think it's time to go what do you think i'm sleepy it's time to go yeah all right, so we're all in agreement. Uh, there is one more thing we need to do, and that is say a great big huge thank you to Agent Andrew, Agent Adzi, and Agent Jeffrey for being Patreon patrons. And it is super, super, super appreciated. And I can't say thank you enough, but I'm going to say thank you two more times. Thank you so much. Thank you. And I'm going to say thank you twice as well. Thank you very much, and thank you very much. And I'm going to say thank you three times. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, my. Wow. Okay. So, (laughs) and you can go to Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash welcome to level seven and and see the different levels that you can uh, give at. And again, we appreciate it so, so, so much. Uh, Beyond that, there's really not too much to say. you can go to welcome7.com slash feedback if you want to send us some feedback. We appreciate that, as you can tell. And yeah, so you two, what do you think? What What's your final word here on, on the episode that we have? 
I think it's going someplace, and I can't wait to see where it goes. Simmons needs to grab some crackers. What? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what? Oyster crackers, Ritz crackers, is saltine kind of cracker. Oh, Saltines. because she's she's vomiting. Got it. Oh. She's pregnant. Yeah, you know another trick is Jolly Ranchers. Those help very much with uh, with morning really? sickness. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. In fact, they helped so much so <laughs> that my kids called Jolly Ranchers for a very long time throw up candy. <laughs> because when my wife was pregnant with our last child and they were, you know, old enough to recognize these things, they realized she was taking the candy when she needed to throw up. And so Jolly Ranchers were throw up candy. I'm sure. Your wife has loved the fact that you just told that to the world. No, we we tell that story. Could okay. be worse. That, there are worse stories out there, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, another episode is done, and I mean, I, I don't know. I feel like there, there there should be some kind of celebration or something. Maybe not. Maybe not. I mean. You guys, we finished this episode. We did such a you know, I feel like you guys did such a good job. We I did a good job. You did a good job. There should be something, something more at this point. I, I don't know. I mean, I wasn't expecting confetti or anything, but maybe like a a blimey or or some kind of acknowledgement. Thanks for listening to Welcome to Level 7. You've heard us, now we'd love to hear from you. Go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback where you can contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling one seventy seven fifty five level 7 You can also join the lively conversation going on at facebook.com slash welcometolevel7 or connect with us on Twitter where we're level7pod. And remember, the 7 is spelled out. Our theme music is The Light Fantastic by J.S. Earls, and you can find that at transplant.bandcamp.com. Welcome to Level 7 is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Learn how to podcast, get productive in your personal and professional life, theorize over TV shows, laugh with our clean comedy, delve into science fiction and philosophy, learn critical thinking from movie reviews, and more at noodle.mx. And once again, thanks for listening. Ben calling Colson. Come in, Colson. Ben calling Colson. Come in, Colson. Well, I've had an interesting week as I dealt with some things that happened and had some misunderstandings that resulted in hijinks and mild, mostly harmless mayhem, but which ultimately got sorted out through a combination of my own personal naivete and the street smarts of the human woman that I might be in love with. And, of course, with the convenient new alien power that had never been revealed before this week's events. You know, I've been watching these humans for a while now, as they have to pick and choose their choices. What I find odd is when they are aiming toward a good result and they believe it requires them to choose a bad action. Some of those in authority will say they're making the hard choices, but, well... I may just be an alien living in my future wife's attic while her musician father doesn't approve... But it seems to me that when it comes to the choosing between right and wrong, choosing the right thing to do may be the hard thing to do, but it should be an easy choice to make. That's my report for this week. Until next time, this has been Signing Off. Nanu, Nanu! Nanu!
Yeah.